where your head at? Dang, don't wanna talk business, business. I guess I gotta be the one to see the summer. Who really in this, in this? We so fed up. My life, 10 up. Yo, time, been up. Big prayers, sent up. Could've do without him, out of Glad that I found him, found him. Crowd really wildin', wildin'. I'm kicking it, shallin', shallin'. I wish I had prepared a dance move. <laughs> Doug did not tell me that uh, I got this one. I'll work on that. One of the biggest complaints that I, that I hear from people who have been burned by the church is that the senior pastor is always asking for money. And so um, Doug's a smart guy, and he... Uh, he didn't want to offend you, and he called me up this week, and he said, hey, Luke, I got a favor I need to call in. I was like, Dougie, just lay it on me, all right? And so I want to let you know that uh, Doug will not be up here asking for money, but guess what we're going to talk about? <laughs> I'm joking. Doug doesn't mind if he offends you. Uh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a sermon that's part of a series called Chasing Carrots, and there was a tagline that was sent to me, and I love the, the phrasing of this. It says, the desire and the pursuit for more is an exhausting treadmill that feels impossible to jump off. I just love that word picture, uh, that, that idea that we're running, we're chasing, kind of like we're on a treadmill, it's exhausting, and it doesn't ever stop. And then the line continues, but the peace that comes from seeing our resources as tools for God changes so much. I don't know if you know this, but over uh, almost 25% of Jesus' teaching is related to wealth, money, and possessions. 25%. The Old Testament and the New Testament combined has about 800 passages when it comes to money. And today when we're going to talk about money, we're going to use this word. I'm actually talking about all of your stuff. The things that, that are in your possession that you would consider yours. Your credit cards, your debit cards. I'm talking about your cash, your job, your inheritance, your housing, your vehicle. The stuff that, that we would say that's ours, we own it. Our collective wealth is what we're referring to. So let me ask this question. I'll ask it in a couple different ways, but um, what are you doing with all your stuff? And maybe a better way of saying this is, uh, what is all this stuff doing to you? Before we start, I'm going to pray again. And uh, I wrote down this prayer, and you might even, you might even recognize it um, because we sing it a lot in church. Um, but I would ask you, uh, as we're closing our eyes, as we're bowing our heads, the focus for today is to, is to uh, focus so much on God that the things of this world, they grow strangely dim. And so go ahead and, and pray with me. God, our hope is in you. It's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. As a people, we come here together. We're not going to trust in anything else, but we're going to wholly lean on your name, Jesus. You're the only one who will get us through. You are enough, and we will stand on you. You're a solid rock for us this morning. 
All other ground is sinking sand. And so, God, I'm praying this morning that if there are things that are hindering us in our walk with you, that you would show us, you would reveal our foundation. And we want to stand on you, a firm foundation, God, this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Luke 12, verse 13 through 21 is where we are. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is, a, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is a really straightforward text that should actually terrify us for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons that, that this is a terrifying text is that we actually live in, in the richest time period in the history of the world, in one of the richest countries in the world. So when the Bible is talking about wealth, when the Bible is talking about money and possessions or, or rich men and there's parables that Jesus will give, he's not talking about Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. He's actually pointing the finger at us because we are living in a time of riches. The second reason that I think that this is a, this is a scary passage is that this is a life and death passage for a sin that we often consider secondary. I mean, if we had to rank sins, greed might not even crack the top five. And yet, did you, did you see this? The rich man, he's found greedy, and God cuts him down. For what? Having a savings plan? For being a, a good steward? For being a good businessman? Like, this is, this is straight out of Business 101 magazine, right? Let's take a deeper look at this. Jesus had, he had just finished up uh, a sermon. And so the context in chapter 12 is that Jesus uh, is actually talking eternity with people. And he's, he's getting into some condemning passages. He's warning the people at this time. He says, don't, don't try to impress. Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. And he, he warns them against hell. And as he's talking, there's a great crowd that's around Jesus at this time. And this one particular man is kind of tuned out. Honestly, he's, he's so consumed with his situation that as Jesus is talking, he gets to a point and he just blurts it out. I got a problem. 
It's, it's with my family's inheritance. Jesus, fix it. Jesus is in the middle of an intense sermon. He's the Son of God in the flesh. And this man can't stop thinking about his money problems. Let me turn this to us real quick. How often does money and possessions and wealth, how, how often does it consume your thoughts? Honestly, when it, when it comes to the struggles that you would have in, in marriage, how often is the fights, the, the, the tension that you would feel, how often do, does it revolve around money or lack of? When you look at all the things that you're worried about, how much does it relate to money? And if you could let Jesus handle anything in your life, how many of us would mention something along our possessions? That's what this man does, and Jesus, in turn, he gives a stern warning. All right? Catch the language here that says, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's a stern warning. And I'll give an equally strong uh, language with this. I'm, I'm going to just say, greed kills. It destroys us, and it destroys others around us. So, the story goes uh, that in my neighborhood, uh, for those of you who don't know, I live in North St. Louis, and in the late, uh, well, late 70s, early 80s, a developer saw an opportunity to purchase some property on Enright. And while he didn't live in the city, he actually lived in New York, uh, he knew a bargain when he saw one. And so at the time, he was able to snatch up uh, houses in, in our little area for about 40000 apiece. It was a bargain. These, these mansions, you know, in the city, and it was so close to the Central West End that he knew that if he bought it and he sat on it for a decade, maybe longer, that he could quadruple his investment. So he bought six houses and, uh, and didn't do anything with them. They, uh, they just sat there. And uh, what he did uh, was effective. However, while he collected millions of dollars in profit, these houses sat empty. And they attracted squatters that were up to no good. Uh, the headlines started rolling in. Gangs filled up some of those spaces. Drugs were sold and bought. Uh, crime soared. Many of the families that were there were forced to live, to stay there, uh, but to live in a very difficult and changing environment. Some of them actually decided that they needed to get out of there, and if they got enough money themselves, moved out, which then brought in other people to invest and sit on vacant houses. Over the course of the years, the news cameras came in. They reported on devastation, the destruction of North St. Louis. They would talk about the violent crime. They still do. Talked about the drugs, the destruction, the sins of addiction. But do you know what was not talked about? Was, was going all the way back, decade before, the one responsible for the ownership of the properties. They didn't mention a sin of greed. And it appeared hidden, and for most everybody it was, but 
I want to say again, greed kills. It destroys us, but it destroys others, whether we would like to admit it or not. For as much as we want to blame other sources, and, and I'm not saying go shoot up neighborhoods and, and sell drugs and buy drugs. I'm not saying that. That's equally bad. But sin, the sin of greed, also has killed North St. Louis. It's not just an innocent little mischief. It's a monster exposing our selfishness and leading us into a covetous lifestyle. Greed destroys lives, plural. People are impacted by the sin, the, the sin of greed. Um, every Tuesday night we get together and uh, we get a whole bunch of neighborhood boys together and uh, we feed them, we talk about Jesus. And over the, over the course of the last year, we've had several adults come in and join us. And one of uh, the couples that's joined us on Tuesday nights is a missionary couple from Haiti that uh, they were recently, uh, they've recently come back. They're staying here. They don't know how long they'll be back in the States, um, but they're, they're great to talk with. And I don't know if you're aware, uh, but uh, Haiti's going through some struggles right now. And they, every week, kind of give us this update on what's happening with Haiti. And a couple weeks ago, they were describing it, and all of us, my neighborhood boys, my family, everybody at the table, we, our jaws dropped when we heard some of the stories that are coming out of Haiti right now. Um, they, they talked about, uh, they said, you know, hey, if, if anybody has money in the States, don't wire money to Haiti uh, because the banks have run out of cash. So you will wire it there. You can wire $1,000 and nobody will get it on the other end because there's literally nothing to pass out. The grocery stores have run out of food. The, the gas stations have run out of fuel. Like, like the, the roads are being shut down. And there's, there's corruption and there's a lot of different factors. But I asked the question, I'm like, what's, what's causing all of this? And uh, they said, the number one cause, I don't know if you, you were, like this is coming from them, but they said, this all started with the crisis that's in Venezuela. I don't know if you know about this, but Venezuela is having uh, also a, a really uh, terrible crisis in their country where what seems like an isolated event of corruption and greed in this one country is now impacting all of the surrounding countries. It's even impacting us in our country. And so Venezuela supplies oil to Haiti. It's their number one supplier. And so when that gets cut off, to Haiti, then the transportation gets shut down, then the banks end up closing, grocery stores end up closing, everything gets shut down in the poor countries. And what I'm saying is, is that greed, it, it infects not just us, but everyone else around us. Jesus warns us, he says, watch out, be on your guard. And it's an active verb, which means that we need daily checkups. I know I said that a lot of people have been burned by the church for talking about money, but, but we have to talk about money because money actually shows what we value. It shows where our hearts is. It exposes uh, our motivations for doing things. You can tell a lot about a person by just looking at their checkbook. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is, it's an active verb. You need to be warned over and over and over about the potential and destruction of greed. Be careful when it comes to possessions. 
And then he gives this example. Looking back at this parable, I'll read it from the message. It says, the, the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself. He said, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, like that, you've done well. You've got it made and now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. It's a message paraphrase right there. But I hope you can feel the tension. Because when we run across this, and it's only in the book of Luke, it's not in Matthew, Mark, or John. It's only in the book of Luke that we see this parable, and when we run across it, it almost leads us to like, man, it almost seems like Jesus is saying it's a sin to be rich, but I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying, don't let your possessions own you. This man uh, goes beyond stewardship, and 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 we could. I'm gonna figure out a way to phrase this. <laughs> I actually think this is a really important verse for theologies, uh, because right now, on Sunday morning, there are churches that are preaching something that actually goes against this, um, like a prosperity gospel, like God's gonna give you something and. You should continue to ask for more and more and more and tear down the barns and build up newer ones. Why ask for a Lexus when you could have a Rolls Royce? And why stop at one Rolls Royce when you could have two Rolls Royces? And I want you to hear the language that I'm talking about. At no point am I talking about God, what he's giving me, and how I'm giving back. It's me, me, me. It's selfishness at the root. And so even if I recognize that God has given me something At the beginning of my life, if I don't in turn begin recognizing that that gift is from God, for God, I'm going to miss it. And it's going to lead into an all-consuming, selfish, coveting greed. So be warned is what Jesus is saying. Because we could have the best intentions starting out, but if we end by propping our feet up and saying, okay, Life is good. Eat, drink, be merry. We've missed the point of why we were given that in the first place. When the rich man talks in this parable, he talks only about himself. The only person he refers to is himself. What should I do? I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I will put down my barns and build bigger ones. I will store up the grain for my goods. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. Eat, drink, be merry. At no point does this man recognize God. So let me just toss this out. Where's your heart at this morning when it comes to the stuff you have that God has given you? When you're storing up grain from yourself, for yourself, you are not recognizing who gave you the grain. And I'll say it another way. When you store up grain just for yourself, you're not thinking about those who have none. The story ends really morbidly. Verse 20 says, Just then God shows up and says, Fool, tonight you're going to die. And your barn full of goods? Who gets it? 
That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. This morning, if you don't hear anything else in what I'm saying, please let me remind you of who's in charge. God doesn't owe us anything. And that's, that's our heart, right? And we appreciate the honesty. Because we, <laughs> we often get that in our mind. That, that we're the ones who have worked for it. We're the ones that have earned it. It's our money. We hold on to it. But guys, let's do an exercise here. Take a deep breath. Let it out. You're not guaranteed even that next breath. Even your breathing is a gift from God. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your possessions? What are you going to do with all of the things that God has blessed you with? That's what he's getting at. It's not a sin to have stuff. But what are you going to do with your stuff? Let me say this a different way. You can be greedy and be poor. So it's not about the amount of things you have. It's what you're doing with them. You've heard it said, come to church, give 10% of your money. I'm not sure that's what Jesus is saying. I think there's even more. (laughs) I'm not trying to place a new legalism on you. I'm just saying, stop storing and start sharing. You know what I mean? Like, let's get so radically generous as a church that people around look at us and they say, what is going on with Wildwood Christian Church? Those people are, they don't give 10%, they give 20%. They're they're sharing their houses, they're sharing their meals, they're sharing their cars. Everything that they have belongs to everyone else. Because they don't see it as theirs, they see it as the king's. So give it away and you're going to find freedom. It's like, this treadmill idea, like, I, 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 last time I was on a treadmill was like two years ago, so that's, that's where I'm at right now. I love pressing that red button on the treadmill. Love it. It is, and, and sometimes when the numbers are really high, it feels really good. You're like, okay, done. But, but that's what this is, is when you start giving away, you're saying, I'm jumping off the treadmill. This isn't, this isn't for me any longer. Guys, God's not poor. So when you, when you are giving stuff back, it's not because he needs it. It's actually for us. It's because it brings us life. Because only in him will we truly be satisfied. Only in him are we truly going to find meaning. Only in him are we truly going to find purpose. Only in him will we truly understand that he is enough, that we don't need anything else. The world calls out with billboards of lust and coveting. The world promises happiness. The world promises fulfillment. It's never enough. In fact, the more we get, the more insurance we need, right? The the more we store up for ourselves, the more problems we face the more we've actually got to buy to protect the things that we've got. 
The more time we have to spend on upkeep, the more money that flows into us, the more money that flows out. Because it's continually demanding. It's not life-giving. Let's stop storing and start giving. I read a report this week that, uh, from a marketing firm that said the average modern person, so living in the United States, is exposed to about 5,000 ads a day. Also, I was reading, and, and, and a, a preacher was challenging his congregation. He says, when you come across this word coveting, just turn it into advertising. Just look at it as, like, when you're reading in the Bible, that word coveting is equivalent to advertising, and we are bombarded with it in our culture. So much so that we have to be daily warned against it. We have to talk about this kind of stuff in church because if not, the culture will begin to feed us lies and we will just go along with it and believe that somehow greed is a lesser sin, that it's just what we do. Um, the, the, the story ends with a phrase called rich toward God. And this means counting God's riches greater than anything on earth it means using our earthly riches to show how much value, how much we value God. And so in a minute, I'm going to ask Carlene to come up. Uh, she snuck in the back there. Whoop, whoop, Carlene. Carlene and I get to work together. We get to bring good news to teenagers in North St. Louis. And uh, it's awesome. And I was, I was preparing this. And this whole thing is on greed. I was like, man, how cool is it? We're going we're gonna to get everybody, like, you know, like, give it all away. And then Carlene's going to get up here, right? And she's going to be like, and here's how you can give it to us. Like, do you understand? You see what, what could happen in my heart? Like, even though we're running a nonprofit, it, this could turn into a very self-serving sermon if I'm not careful. And so I want to check myself and let you know that there are literally thousands of ways that you can give, that you can pour yourself out, that you can, you can let go of stuff. I just spent a couple days with missionaries. Um, I, I don't know how many missionaries, but an international conference of missions on, in Kansas City. I was partnered with a guy from Ecuador. His name was Oscar. He runs a feeding ministry for, for widows and children who will not eat if he doesn't do his work. And he's working, and, he, and we talked all about it. Like, don't enable. You know, like, we're, it's not our job to just keep feeding people. Like, we, he wants to help them. And so he's starting businesses, and he's, he's, he's creating uh, uh, businesses out of nothing, really, to help those that are poor, living on less than a dollar a day, right around a dollar a day, in Ecuador. I, I talked with Katie Greshamport. She's uh, a good friend of mine. She's working with widows in East Africa. Uh, doing microloans for them. And, and once again, people living off of a dollar or two a day and, and bringing uh, new resources to them when they wouldn't have it. And I'll say it like this. No one in the world is going to care about these people, the least of these, in, in these third world countries. No one will care except for the church. 
We're the only ones who have the heart, the motivation to do something about it. And so, yes, I want to invite Carlene to come up, and I want her to share, and, and, uh, and, and I, I would love for you to, to sponsor kids and to get behind Love the Lou, but I want you to know that uh, there are thousands of other organizations that are just as good. So pray. Pray about what God wants you to do. Pray about where, where God wants you to give. Uh, as she's walking up here, I want to I share a quick story. Um, about one of our students, and, and I, for those of you that are at our celebration, I get to share this. So Jolanda is one of our students that, that's been with us for a few years. Uh, Jolanda, um, we love her. She's awesome. She's a little miniature version of Carlene that she's being discipled and raised up. And uh, she, um, as, we were, as we were kind of practicing for some of our banquet stuff, uh, we, we had a rehearsal at Ballpark Village. And she was walking downtown to Ballpark Village, and as she uh, was walking to the stadium area, she passed by a homeless guy that was up against a building. And uh, the guy was asking for money. She reaches in, gives him $5. And as she's continuing her walk, another man walks up to her, and he, and he, he pulls her aside, and he's like, hey, here's all the reasons why you shouldn't have given money to this guy. And he lays out like that he's got addictions and he's got problems and he's going to spend it on all kinds of stuff he shouldn't. And Jolanda turns to that man and she says, oh, this isn't about him. He can do whatever he wants with that money. This is about me and what I have to offer. You guys, this is what freedom looks like because we are, we are in a city, we are in a neighborhood uh, with some of the poorest people in the United States. Jolanda, one of the poorest. Is she? Or does she have something? Does she understand her identity where she's no longer poor? This girl's free. This girl is going to do some great stuff. And so I want to turn it over to Carlene to tell you just a little bit more about it. Thank you guys so much for having us here. My name is Carlene Ada, and I'm the program director of Love the Lou, of STL Lift, which is the mentoring program in Love the Lou. I know it's hard to take me seriously with my hair like this, but in my mind, it's like National 80s Day or something, so I'm just, I'm just going with it. I, I woke up like this, so. Um, thank you for all of the supporters that already support Love the Lou, whether you guys have come down to the gardens to shovel dirt with us, whether you already sponsor, or if you were at the banquet in whatever way that you already support Love the Lou, thank you. Um, and I'm just gonna talk to you a little bit about our mentoring program, a little bit about what I do and what we do um, for our teenagers. We have 34 teenagers in our program, and they are incredibly hilarious and awesome and sassy and Interesting. There's never a dull moment with them, for sure. Um, and our overarching goal with our students is to lift them out of a poverty mindset. We want to lift them out of a mindset that says, I'll never amount to anything, I'll never be anything more than my deadbeat dad, or I'm just going to be another uh, negative ST STL um, statistic. We want to build them up walk alongside them, provide them with resources, and show them that there is a way out of their situation. 
we want them to break those generational curses and those generational um, cycles of poverty, um, whether that's a physical poverty or a mental poverty. And we've seen with our students and their parents and some of their caregivers that it's usually just a mental poverty. Um, so we do that in several different ways. We mentor, we tutor, we take them on empowered experiences. Um, I wrote down some of the places that we've gone this year. We've gone to Watlow Manufacturing Company, Lidos, which is an aviation research company, um, Southwest Airlines, that was my favorite. That was really cool. The kids got to um, get on a plane for the first time. We didn't take off, although they would have loved that. <laughs> but we got to go inside of the plane and they got to see what the inside of an aircraft looks like. Um, a couple of students went to Cape Girardeau, which is where I went to college, so I took them down there and showed them the city of Cape Girardeau. Um, we had some students go on CIY trips, Christing Youth um, Retreats. Uh, this year they went to Nebraska, Oklahoma, and we had a couple students go um, to Big Stuff, and I got to go with them with this church. Thank you guys so much. The beach was lovely. Um, we took a fitness class, we did trivia nights, we had some students go on Cardinals games, so just a bunch of different empowered experiences. And what these empowered experiences do is they broaden their horizons, they open up their minds to what's out there. <clears throat> Whether it could be a potential job or a place uh, for an internship, but just to get them out of the city and kind of show them different places. Um, I know a lot of you probably take a fitness class every Monday or something, but for our students taking a fitness class, it was a first. Um, and a lot of you probably go to Cardinals games all the time, but for our students, it's a first. So these things that we take for granted that, that are weekly things for us, for them, it's a big deal, like getting in a plane. Um, and so with, the, with all of the activities that we do with them, the empowered experiences, tutoring them, mentoring them, taking them to get their permit, taking them to get their license, um, taking them to doctor's appointments, basically filling in the gap, um, being a second mom, being a big sister, being a mentor, all of that costs a lot of money, as you can imagine. Uh, the gas, driving them all over the city, um, the, tick the admission tickets, going to some of these places, the food, oh gosh, they can eat. Um, and all of that costs a lot of money. I never knew how much teenage boys can eat, oh my goodness. I tell you, if, if being a parent is anything like being a program director for uh, Hestia Lift, then I don't know if we're gonna have kids. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Um, so yeah, we have a sponsorship program that helps fund uh, this entire program. And essentially, it's kind of like Compassion International, except the students that you'll be sponsoring live about 35 minutes from here, so you can actually meet them and um, come down to the gardens and hang out with them when we have different activities and functions. Um, so essentially it's $35 a month and we send you a magnet um, that has a picture of the guy or girl. You can pick the gender that you want. Um, it ha on the magnet it has some prayer requests, their age, their school, their grade, um, some of their long-term goals, some of their short-term goals. That way every time you pass by your refrigerator you kind of know what you can be praying for, what their name is, all of that. And then you'll also receive periodic text or email updates from me. Um, it could be something like, 
Jamel, for example, he's our student that just graduated high school in May and went off to college. So a sample update could be, you know, Jamel is taking chemistry and algebra and whatever, and please pray that he passes his upcoming physics test, something like that. So it's just short and simple, just so you know what to be praying for for your student. And like I said earlier, there are plenty of opportunities throughout the school, or throughout the year rather, to meet your student, whether that's coming down to the gardens and pulling weeds with them, or joining in on a Cardinals game with us. Um, so that's kind of our program in a nutshell. I believe I'll be out in the lobby afterwards to answer any questions if you guys wanna sign up for that, or if you have any more questions, you can give me your email or I can give you my card. Um, but thank you guys so much for having me, and I will close with that. Guys, we're going to pray to close, but we're actually going to sing a prayer, so I know that's weird. Um, if you know this, sing it loud so that I'm not left alone on it. Uh, but go ahead and close your eyes. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. In Jesus' name, amen.